Our gospel reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter, and two sections of that chapter, parables about the kingdom of God. Jesus put before the crowds another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and can make their nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Seventy-five words. 75 words that changed my life. Back in 2010, uh, I was asked to give my first little talk about social media and ministry. And if you know me, you know that I could talk about that for days and days and days. Um, But back then, I was worried about how I could talk about it even for an hour. And so I turned to Google, my good friend, to find out ways that I might talk about this to this group at my friend's church. And I came across an article by a woman named Elizabeth Drescher, which I found really helpful and I quoted in my presentation. And afterwards, I sent her an email thanking her for the article and that I found it really helpful. Now, who writes a thank you note to somebody that wrote a blog post online? How many tens of thousands of web pages have you visited or I visited and never followed up to say to the person who wrote that article, thanks? that was helpful. Almost never. Something like 0.02%. But in this instance, I sent this email to say thank you. And she emailed me back and said, thanks for letting me know, and I'd love to see what you're doing. And we struck up a little bit of friendship. And about a year later, she asked me if I would write a book with her. And so we together We had never met before in person. She lives in San Jose. I live at the time in Boston. We've never met in person before, and she asked me to write this book with her, which we do, and we don't finish writing the book. We don't meet in person until we almost finish uh, writing the book. Um, When I flew out to her house in San Jose, we both had the feeling like this person could be an axe murderer, and I wouldn't know. And so we were, our families were a little worried for us, but everything turned out fine. And it was the beginning of an amazing and beautiful friendship and collaboration, And now, seven years later, we're actually working on the second edition of that book, which will come out next year. 
Elizabeth became one of my best friends, even though we live 3,000 miles apart. And she opened up a whole world and helped me discover myself as a writer. Um, and we've, we uh, collaborate in so many ways and support each other in so many ways beyond just the writing. Uh, I think it's one of the reasons that I'm here at UDLC, because she opened my world up in a way that I could imagine doing ministry in new and different places. And so this little thank you email of 75 words words, truly, truly changed my life. Looking back now, I can see how all those dots connect. And little things, even a 75-word email sent to a complete stranger can have surprisingly big impacts in our lives and in the world. And that's one of the things that Jesus is talking about in our gospel reading for today. But first, before we dive into the reading, just a little definition of the terms parable in the kingdom of God. So a parable is kind of like a fable. It's a story, maybe a little bit of an embellished story that has a point or a message or a moral to the story. And Jesus used them all the time to talk and teach about faith. And the thing that he taught and, taught and talked about most of all, above anything else in his ministry, was the kingdom of God. Altogether, there are 50 sayings in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all about the kingdom of God, including something we say and pray all the time in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. We sang it this morning. The kingdom of, dis- of God, I think, describes a reality that is now but not yet. It's here but not fully realized. I sort of think of it like an alternate reality or like a parallel reality that's present here among us. But there's nothing alternate about it. It is our true reality. And what we think of as real or the way things are are shown by contrast to be the alternate or other reality. We are really living or trying to live in the kingdom of God, though sin often gets in our way. You know, this week I was just watching a clip from the original Star Wars movie, which doesn't seem unusual for me. And um, the kingdom of God in some ways for me is a little like the force. It's everywhere, flowing between everything, and if you focus on it, you can feel it and you can harness its power but most people don't see it or feel it at all. And, you know, we talk a lot about God moments, and we share a lot of God moments here at church, and I think a God moment is a moment when we touch the kingdom of God, when we see it and we feel it, and we remember this reality, the place where we truly belong, where small things have great impact and surpassing value, where the lost are found and the blind see. So Jesus described this kingdom of God in many, many ways, especially through parables. And in our reading for today, we have some of the most memorable and shortest of those parables. And they come in two sets, two different parts of the chapter. The first is the mustard seed and the yeast, and the second is the pearl of great price and the hidden treasure. And any single one of them could be a sermon in itself, but I'm going to try to touch on each of them in short order. So the mustard seed and the yeast go together because they're both tiny things that grow into something that's unexpectedly abundant. The tiny mustard seed grows into a huge bush that gives shelter to the birds, and a tiny bit of yeast can feed many, many people. Those three measures of flour that we hear about in our reading, that actually calculates out to about 50 pounds of flour. 
which turns into about a hundred loaves of bread. From this tiny bit of yeast, a hundred loaves of bread are made. And I know very little about the chemistry of cooking, um, but I see this when I visit local restaurants. When we have coffee and conversation at Alice's Bakery, um, at the time of the morning that we're there, they are making the baguettes for the day. And so they're rolling them out and getting them ready and taking them in and out of the oven. And when you look at that, it's amazing to think that that whole process is fueled by this little bit of yeast um, that makes everything rise. Or when we've gathered at God on Tap at Forest and Main like we did for many years, one of the ingredients in some of their beers is what they call ambler yeast, which is yeast that they foraged from around town. And so it turns out that you can forage yeast from flowers or fruits from the air, wood, or even bees. And that little bit of yeast that they forage from our town helps to brew these vats of beer. A little bit of yeast not only makes the bread and the beer, it nourishes people, it employs people, it fosters community as people gather around it and enjoy it. And it even helps us in our church to find the kingdom of God right in our neighborhood. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Something small that grows and expands and spreads, nourishes, gathers, and shelters people. It's like all the small things we say or do that we often don't even take note of, that we often don't even know that we're doing, that have these huge ripple effects in the world. Um, and if I might take a tiny point of uh, personal privilege, so Tuesday, August 1st, March, marks my fifth anniversary as a pastor here at UDLC, which is kind of amazing because it feels like I've been here forever and it also feels like a blink of an eye, both in all the right ways. And um, as I look on, back on that time, and I'm going to take more time this week to really reflect more deeply, it really is the little things um, that have had the greatest impact on me. And I think that ministry is about the accumulation of small moments, small enough that we don't even notice them, but these small moments that grow into something remarkable. Every big thing is a result of countless little things. And in five years, I've seen the ways in which so many of those seeds and those little bits of leaven have taken root and grown and spread beyond what I or we, I'm sure, could have hoped for or imagined. And I'm so grateful for you and for us and so happy to be your pastor. Our God is a God of small things that with the power and the love of God become something beautiful and something beyond our imagining. And when we take the time to reflect back on our lives about how these little things have previously had an effect, it enables us to look forward in order to see and anticipate the ways that the seeds of the kingdom of God are present and taking root in us. As David Loos writes, these parables serve as a much-needed word of encouragement. Hang in there. God's new reality is closer than you think, already seeping into your life even though you can't always feel it. To others still, this parable comes as a profound promise. No matter what it may look like, God's kingdom will prevail. Or another writer says, no matter how small the beginning or how threatened the middle, the end is never in doubt. For God is all about abundance from the smallest things, miraculous transformations from bush to tree of life, from leaven to bread enough to feed multitudes. God's kingdom is like that. 
Jesus says. And this kingdom of God is also of surpassing values. Jesus says that the kingdom is like a hidden treasure in a field, which someone finds and then goes and sells everything he has to purchase the land where the treasure lay. And again, it's like a merchant in search of a great pearl, and when he finally finds it, he sells everything he has to purchase it. It's something so valuable that they sell everything they have to obtain it. They invest and give themselves over to it completely, and it brings them great joy. And at least in the case of the merchant with the great pearl, it's a little crazy too, right? He sells everything he has for this one pearl, but then what? He's not going to sell it again, and he has nothing else left, just the pearl. It was so important that he gave everything he had to obtain it. Now, the guy that bought the land with the hidden treasure might get a better return on investment if he decides to part with some of that treasure, but the point is that they were so valuable that they gave themselves over to it completely in ways that their friends and their colleagues might have said, what the heck? What do they think they're doing? But the kingdom of God is like that. Once you have a taste of it, once you discover it, you don't want to let it go. And I've heard so many stories, your stories, over these past five years like that. People come to church here and find it so refreshingly different, not perfect by any means, but so alive. And I think that's the right word, alive, that they want more of it. They want to be a part of it. They find community and mission and purpose. They encounter God's in, God in new ways and don't want to let that go. To the outside world, they might seem crazy, who goes to church anymore anyway? But they know and you know that this is something worth our love and our time and our attention. Just a single small God moment can, can completely reorient our lives toward the God that loves us so deeply that he sent his only son to die for us. But before that, to reveal to us this kingdom of God and to invite us to take part to take shelter in the sprawling mustard tree, to discover the joy of finding treasure hidden in plain sight. At the age of 17, I encountered the love of God in Jesus in a tiny little Pentecostal church on the Florida Gulf Coast. And it was a love that broke my heart open in a thousand different ways and enabled me to receive the grace and mercy of God. And from that one little moment, and from that one little suggestion by that lady who said, maybe God might be calling me to ministry, I've spent the whole rest of my life pursuing it. And now here I am with you this morning. Such is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here among us. It is our true reality. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to feel, you have to look and listen closely because it happens in small ways. It sprouts and it grows over time, but it's here. And the more that we give ourselves over to it, the more we live into it, the more alive that we become. And so finally now, I want to share with you a short video called The Six-Second Challenge. The Six-Second Challenge. Oftentimes we think... Um, that what we have to offer, the time that we have to give is never enough and feels so small and insignificant. Uh, and this video reframes that a little bit and talks about what is possible in even just six seconds.
six seconds, you can kiss someone like you mean it. In six seconds, you can hold open a door. In six seconds, you can wait for a little straggler to catch up. I'll wait for you. You can even say, in six seconds, you can take a deep breath. In six seconds, you can let it go. It's not worth it. You can say, in six seconds, you can tuck a note in a lunchbox or in a pocket. It only takes two seconds to draw a heart. In six seconds, you can say you're sorry. In six seconds, you can cut yourself some slack. In six seconds, you can throw away that picture, that pair of pants, that inner bully that keeps you from loving this day, miss you. I used to sound like a broken record. I don't have time, I'd always say. But then I realized what could happen in a mere six seconds. It's enough to make a bad day good. It's enough to bring life to your weary bones. It's enough to remember what really matters in the midst of so much that doesn't. In six seconds, you can change everything. In six seconds, you can change the world. So I invite you maybe to take the six-second challenge for yourself this week and see how little tiny things make such a big difference. Amen.